There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into our Thursday edition of the pod. People say, why do you talk so much about Youth Week? Because this is our longest continuous meeting. This is our 13th year at the Black Creek Baptist Church in Black Creek, New York. And so we certainly look forward to what the Lord is going to do. Over 25 preachers will be in attendance. Not all of them have an opportunity to preach. Uh, but Lord willing, in Wellsville, New York, in the morning services, I'll be preaching Sunday school and church. And then Sunday night in Wellsville at 6 p.m., Brother Zach Vernon will be preaching. And so we thank the Lord for that. 11 o'clock on Monday, for those of you in attendance, for those of you going to be listening, Brother Donnie Harvey, Lord willing, will be with us and preaching at the Black Creek Baptist Church, kicking off Youth Week. And then 7 o'clock each night, 10 o'clock each morning throughout the week. And so we look forward to what the Lord is going to do. Pray about those services. Pray that uh, the Lord would just bless. And then if you would, would you also pray that folks will listen, that folks will tune in. Many have been touched by listening to the messages at onesoulatatime.net. Uh, they'll be about 12 to 18 hours after the services normally, sometimes shorter than that, but you'll be able to go and listen. We're in Job 32 again today, and Job 32, we're going to start to wind up the book of Job, but there's so much more. There's so much more exhortation. There's not a lot of prophecy. There's a few little places here, but what we do see in this is we see Elihu, that young man, he's kindled, his spirit is kindled within him. He realizes that those men have not spoken right concerning Job. And so this is really the frustration of a young man, but I don't think it's a carnal thing. I believe he speaks with the voice of God. I believe he speaks as a voice of reason in the midst of all this calamity. And verse 1, it says, So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. So finally Job's friends could close their mouths. There was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakal, the Buzite of the kindred of Ram, against Job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. And so again, there's the problem. Job begins to justify himself rather than God. And part of meekness that God demands from us, and we know Job was an example of patience, but Moses was the meekest of all men. When we try to justify ourselves and explain ourselves rather than just letting God have it, that's where meekness comes in. And often that's a great failure in so many lives. They just cannot be meek. Why? Because they have to argue. They have to defend themselves. They have to speak usually when you're in error, or usually when you feel an obligation. Maybe pride takes so, and that's why strife comes. But Job is no longer justifying God. He's justifying himself. And then it says, also against his three friends was his wrath kindled, because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. 
So they're speaking condemnation, but yet they don't have the answer. They don't know why this has come upon Job. They don't see the hand of God at work in this. Uh, They don't see how God can use this. Yet we look back in hindsight. That's a glorious thing to be able to do. You and I can look at David's life and look at the good things of David, look at the folly of David, look back in hindsight. That's a blessing. We can do that. And we look at Job in hindsight. His friends were right there with Job. They could not see the working of God. You and I see the hand of God in that because we know the beginning. It goes on, it says, verse 4, Now Elihu had waited till Job had spoken because they were elder than he. And that's a very good lesson for many, some of you even listening, when folks are elder than he. It doesn't mean necessarily older, but elder. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. And that word wrath there entails a lot. It's a heated anger. Uh, Some of it comes out of frustration, but also I believe it's just defending God. There's times we would use a modern term of frustration, but a lot of times it's just because they're not speaking right concerning the Lord. And men say things that aren't right concerning the word of God. And therefore, your wrath can be kindled. Just be angry and sin not. Don't act out and sin because of that wrath. And he said this, When Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, and said, I am young and you are very old, wherefore I was afraid and durst not show you mine opinion. Well, you don't hear young people like that today much. You don't hear a young man today saying, I durst not show you my opinion. Everybody's got an opinion today. Everybody's got thoughts today. And I've always marveled at the foolishness of men. And, you know, men have been in ministry 30 and 40 years. And some young whippersnapper comes up. And they have a, how's that for old-fashioned whippersnapper? And he comes up, and he's going to tell that old man the thing he saw in the Bible. And I've seen old men with patience sit there and just with graciousness and kindness. And that young man tells everything he knows in about 40 seconds and goes on his way. And the old man just continues to live his life. Why? Because all young men have a vent. They all have uh, an idea they want to be uh, move up the ladder. They all want to be promoted. They all want to be seen. They all want to be known. It's one of the dangers of a young man. It's one of the follies of a young man. That's why a man that's not been proven, uh, you shouldn't lay hands on that man suddenly. It's why you can't be a novice and be in the ministry today because you'll be t- t- fall the condemnation. Why? Because of that pride. You'll be lifted up with pride. When a young man sees a work of God, and by the way, a young man will attract people to his church. He'll attract people if he's in a position of a bishop, and they'll come and they'll see that work, and he'll have families coming just because he has youth and he has vibrancy, and they'll have programs and they'll have children's ministry, and yet a novice will take that and he'll think he's done something. It's a great danger, and that's why a young man, again, should not be, as a novice, should not be in the ministry, and he needs to wait. He needs to just go work a job. Just because a man graduates Bible college doesn't mean he's not a novice. But he's young. He doesn't want to speak. But that he does. And he says in verse 7, I said, days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. And he said, great men are not always wise. And what a tremendous statement. Great men are not always wise. And there are great men that had great folly. We, of course, his, history has told on some of these men and I'm not even talking about just biblical men, I'm talking about just in generalities. In the United States, we have great heroes, uh, men that, of our forefathers. We look at Jefferson, we look at Washington. They were very flawed men. Adams was a very flawed man. Lincoln was a flawed man. Each one of them, they were great men, yet they were so flawed. You look at Patton, uh, General George Patton, a greatly flawed man, but a great general. And you just go on down the list. Why? Because great men are not always wise. And when a man thinks he's great, he's certainly not wise because there's one greater than him. It doesn't matter how great you think you are. You better be in the hand of God. You better be in the safety of God, in the shelter of God's hand. 
Because great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. There comes a time when an aged man begins to lose that ability to have judgment. That's just reality. That's not a slight. It doesn't mean that we don't honor that hoary head. But I've said many times in ministry that hoary head is honored because when a man does get that hoary head, his mind might not be that great. His memory may not be that good. Uh, he may repeat himself every few seconds. He may uh, forget things you tell him. And, and it may be that a young man would take an occasion by that, be lifted up with pride, think that he has something over that older man. That older man has walked with God for all of those years, but he's not always wise. He does things that are absolutely sometimes foolish. An aged man can fall into physical failures where a young man might see that as a weakness, not understanding. It's not a spiritual weakness. It's a physical weakness. So we honor that hoary head. When a man even loses his mind, we honor that hoary head. When a, when a grandmother loses her mind, we honor that hoary head. Not the, what they've become, not what age has done to them, but rather what they were. That life that God has given them. And especially in the house of God, we ought to honor that hoary head. There is a level of respect that every young person needs to be taught of these aged men and women in the church, these hoary heads in the church, because of the life that they've lived. And again, not the folly of what they become, but the life that they have. And what a glory that is. And what a blessing that is. I know as a younger man, I had men that would teach me that were older than I. Today, those men in their 70s and 80s. And years ago, I had opportunities to travel with some men, to preach with men that were in their 70s. Now, some of them are dead and gone. Some of them are over 90 years old, still preaching the word of God. Are they capable like they once were? No, they're not. They don't have the ability they once had. A dear friend of mine called me and told me of a brother that I've known for many, many years, and he's in his mid-90s now. And he told me he took him to a meeting in Texas with him. And this dear preacher rode along with him. He can't hardly hear. Uh, there's, there's times that you know he gets frail. He's in his 90s, but yet he stands and preaches. And thank God for that. Thank God for that wisdom that comes from that hoary head. And that's what Elihu's speaking of here. And he says, I will hearken to me. This is verse 10. I also will show mine opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I gave ear to your reasons whilst you searched out what to say. Yea, I attended unto you. And behold, there was none of you that convinced Job or that answered his words. Lest ye should say, we have found out wisdom. God thrusteth him down, not man. And by the way, there's two colons in that sentence, verse 12 and verse 13. Again, we see a place. It would read like this. Yea, I tended unto you, and behold, there was none of you that convinced Job or that answered his words. God thrusted him down, not man. But in the midst of that, he has another sentence. And he says, lest ye should say, we have found out wisdom. It's an interesting way to put that, but it's interesting. There's two colons there dividing up that sentence. But the reason they couldn't have an answer, because they would think they had found wisdom. And wisdom only cometh from above. And God was in this, and God's hand was in this, and God is the one that took the hedge away from Job, but his friends couldn't see that, so they condemned Job. But Elihu, the young man, he sees that. He's listening to their words. He doesn't have a dog in this fight. He doesn't have a pony in this race. He's standing by as an outsider. Yet God gives us his words. He's speaking by the inspiration of God. He is telling us what God has penned down and God has kept for us. And I hear preachers sometimes put him down as this cocky young preacher or the cocky young man. No, he's telling the truth. He's speaking the truth. He's a great man. He may be a young man, but he's a great man. And again, that's why you let no man despise thy youth. Just like we honor the hoary head, we don't cast a man's thoughts away because he's young. We don't cast a man aside 
Why? Because he's young. I've heard young preachers make statements that pierced me, that pricked me, that cut me, that wounded me. I don't go and trash them and Oh, just young and cocky. Oh, they're just young and foolish. No, I listen to what they have to say. Lord willing, at Youth Week, we'll have some younger preachers that will stand. And I'm getting to the place now that there's quite a few younger preachers than myself. It used to be. I was one of the younger ones. Now I stand, I'm kind of in the middle of the pack somewhere. And my peers are those around me. And thank God, most of them are at least a couple months older than me. Uh, but most of us are in over 50. We're in our early 50s, heading towards 60. And one of these days, if the Lord doesn't come, we'll be in our 60s. And we'll be looking back at these young men. And these young men will have had words of wisdom. And then they'll be in the place where we are. And then one day, if the Lord doesn't come again, they'll have a hoary head. And he says, now he, he hath not directed his words against me. Neither will I answer him with your speeches. They were amazed. They answered no more. They left off speaking. When I had waited, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more, it's interesting that, again, one of the things that we've looked at in Scripture so many times, there's two colons before that, but then verse 16, he goes back to parentheses. That's one of those places we can look in Job 32, when I had waited, and then there's a parenthesis. For they spake not, but stood still and answered no more, parenthesis. And I said, I will answer also my part. I will also show mine opinion. A sentence within a sentence, but it's parenthetical. And there's a semicolon inside the parentheses. So if somebody called me and explained that to me, I'll be glad to listen and understand that. But that's just the way the King James Bible translators wrote this. And I believe it's right. I believe it's accurate. But the message is not lost in that. When I had waited, he said, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more. And then Elihu says, I said, I will answer also my part. I also will show mine opinion. Where did he say that? He said that in his heart. He didn't say that verbally. He just said that in his heart. I'm going to show my opinion. He tells them that. And he says, for I'm full of matter. The spirit within me constraineth me. And that's one of the keys, especially for young, is study to be quiet, to do thine own business. And it's something that we must learn, something I still need to learn. There's a time to speak. There's a time to preach. One of the difficulties for me moderating the meeting. Some of you are going to be there. Please listen to what I'm going to say. One of the difficulties is when there's men that are bursting, they want to stand up and speak. Most have learned how to contain that, but there's some that cannot contain that. I've said this many times as, as I've watched preachers and I've watched meetings. And, you know, when somebody gets up and preaches and the power of God's on it, everybody wants to preach. Everybody wants. And things are just running through your mind and running through your heart. And if every man stood up and made comments and said what he thought, we'd be there forever. But rather than just let the seed fall where it may, people got to get up and say, make comments and talk about it and run their thoughts and their opinions. And it's a danger, I think. And so if you have some weight to it, there's some weighted words to it, there's some strength in it. But he said this, the spirit within me constraineth me. So he's not going to say everything he thinks. He's not going to give all of his opinions. What he's going to do is let the spirit of God guide him into the words he's going to speak. Behold, my belly is as wide which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles, yet the spirit within him constraineth him. There's times I know in my personal life. It's always been a rule in my life, even in our home church. There'll be testimony times, and I'll weigh things, and I'll sit there, and sometimes I'll miss it. Sometimes I'll wait, testimony will pass by, and I don't have an answer from God. I'll feel impressed. And by the way, most services, I feel impressed to say something, but I'll wrestle those things out. I'll say, Lord, do you want me to testify? Especially when there's a bunch of foolishness. It doesn't matter where I'm at. When I hear a bunch of foolishness, I just want to testify afterwards. I want to just brag about the goodness of God and his mercies. But there's times the Spirit constraineth me. There's times I wrestle with it. But in there's times the Lord presses me out of measure to stand up and speak something, try to have some words with weight. That's a problem that 
so many have today. Their words carry no weight. It's just foolishness. They don't live that life. It's just nonsense. It's just a bunch of gibberish. And my friend, it's a danger. There are people that can absolutely destroy a testimony service with their gibberish. I mean, save people. There are save people that can't control their tongue. They don't have any weight to their words because it's just gibberish. It's fool's talk. And they stand up there and just go on about stuff that has no weight in the surface. Yet the spirit, he said, constraineth me. And that's why there's some that need to be silent in those things. Now, Elihu's given us this great example. He's explaining to us how he does this. He's explaining how we need to do this. He's telling us. He's given us a guide. As a young man looking on, he's looking at these older men. He's let them speak, but he has to say something. And by the way, he says a lot in the next couple of chapters. He's like that uh, bottle that has a vent. It's ready to burn. It has no vent, rather. It's going to burst. He says, I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person. Neither let me give flattering titles unto man. He's going to speak regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done, regardless of how much money they've given him, regardless of whether or not he works for them or they've been kind to him. He's just going to speak. He's not going to hold back. He's going to tell them what God has told him to say. For I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. We're done with Job 32. Please pray for the services upcoming at the Black Creek Baptist Church. We'll be back tomorrow to finish out the week on the broadcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church. 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.